0: Rock and whiskey i'm sailor and sometimes i get riled up mostly i curse maybe i'll even shed a tear no that doesn't happen really i just like to talk about music
1: on this podcast we typically compare two albums from one artist against each other we'll discuss argue debate the merits and in the end only one album will reign supreme
0: and then there's whiskey we like to drink whiskey and lots of it each week one of us pairs whiskey with the albums or artists in question but before we get into that, I'm here tonight with my dudes, Matt and Jake. Sadly, Ed couldn't be with us, so we'll just pour one out for our buddy, Ed. How's it going, everyone?
1: What's up? It's, it's pretty, going good. pretty good. Yep. So... Tonight's episode is uh, a pretty interesting one, because instead of debating two albums against each other, we're going to discuss ACDC, and kind of more specifically, the decades-long debate between the Bon Scott-fronted ACDC and the Brian Johnson-fronted ACDC and who rocks better, who rocked it harder. But first, we've got some news. We're gonna go over to the news desk with Sailor.
0: (laughs) All right. Thanks for that fabulous intro, (laughs) Jake. So, I'm going to bring you some rock news this week, which I do every week. Um, That wasn't
1: wasn't Jake. That was the 20s news guy, hiked up pants news guy.
0: Sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, this week's news is a little weird because, well, that's just kind of the stories that were jumping out at me. So, um in 2013 if you remember as i lay dying vocalist tim lambesis was arrested for plotting to murder his estranged wife he was convicted what? of that crime
2: yep. husband
1: of the year yeah <laughs> right and
0: yep and he was sent-
1: he, sh- he should have just gone to jared yeah. oh, Jesus.
0: <laughs> anyway he was sentenced to six years in jail and uh, since his late 2016 release from prison, there was almost no information whatsoever regarding his plans about um, finishing out his contract with his record label or as I lay dying, continuing without him, etc. Um, until a very recent public apology. Um, so the timeline's a little weird here. So apparently on social media um, last, late last summer, there were some tweets that went out from As I Lay Dying and from Tim's own Twitter account saying activity, and that was it, just the word activity. Um, and if any of the uh, former As I Lay Dying band members were interviewed, they all, all distanced themselves and said that they were had no idea about any projects and probably wouldn't be involved. Um, so it looked like Tim was maybe himself teasing that he was in fact planning on releasing um, some music. And uh, then comes this... Um, So then he does uh, admit that he is still um, going to be making music and releasing it under the moniker As I Lay Dying. Um, He's still tied to his label contractually. Um, And then it was silence for a while. And I felt, "Mm, wow, if I was the label, would I touch that? I don't know. And then just a few days ago, there came a very public apology um, from Tim, and uh, stating that he was very sorry and um, that he takes the blame for everything and um, apologizes to his fans and to his family and his friends and his former bandmates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It's certainly not a new thing for convicted felons to get or keep record deals and to go on to revive or continue their careers. But, man, I just don't have a good feeling about this one. Um, I don't know. I certainly wouldn't... uh, I wouldn't want to support. I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough one. So I will be interested to see how this is all going to play out. If in fact the label does release his music and um, how well it's received. If his I, I, just googled, I just googled.
1: I just googled him, and uh, and it appears that he is working on uh, on a soundtrack for the sequel to Hitman.
0: Oh my! Hey, oh jeez! Oh, 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 that
2: God. that classic.
0: Ay yeah yeah. <laughs> In other news, uh, in, in, in Curiouser and Curiouser more news, Gene Simmons makes the news again, um, with some really bizarre stuff, um, Shocker. Of right, exactly, um, I'm always, Honestly,
1: he's selling himself now,
0: oh gee, I'm always interested in, you know, if he's in the news reading what it is, so I'm just gonna read you a few snippets from stories from Metal Injection and the Daily Beast, so, um, uh mr simmons keeps finding himself in controversy it started a few weeks back during a press day at fox news where he was banned after acting inappropriately towards some women who worked there shortly after being asked about the weinstein allegations on a show and he claimed his support for women simmons barged into a conference room unbuttoned his shirt to expose his chest and started yelling hey chicks sue me According to a report from the Daily Beast, he started telling Michael Jackson pedophilia jokes and then bopped two employees on the head with his book, making, um, comments about their comparative intelligence according to the sound their heads made when struck. (laughs) Like
1: you do. Sure. (laughs) Like you do.
0: Simmons was then escorted out of the building, and now, um, there's a photo out there of him at the front security desk, um... And he's told not to be let back onto the premises. The very next few days, uh, two women came forward and accused Simmons of sexual misconduct. Not shocking. Um, A voice actress actress claims she went to shake Simmons' hand and Simmons allegedly pointed to his dick and said, That's the fun machine. A female cartoonist, Tess Fowler, said she met Simmons at San Diego Comic-Con in 2004 and he hugged her and allegedly said she was keeping the candy away from him and just hugging her upper body and then grabbed her hips and thrust against her.
1: Hmm. Simmons denied (coughs) both
0: allegations, but he has gone back and forth with apologies. um, Taking them back and then giving it again really strange i mean to be completely honest i can't believe these allegations didn't come out sooner his rock persona was definitely him in real life as he has confirmed himself in his reality show and in the many many interviews he's given but uh he, you know he was considered a sex rock god whatever yuck bleh, i don't get it but um just wow so i think jane i think I think your time is up and you need to just give it a rest there dude
1: and for more on this story, we're going to go to our field reporter, Matt Lauer. Matt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I you're what, too, the too soon? Too a soon? A too soon. <laughs> a too soon. Or Charlie Rose? <laughs> Charlie Rose could take a... Oh, wait. That doesn't work either. <laughs> yeah.
2: uh-huh. oh, no.
1: uh-huh.
0: oh, boy. Okay. In more crappy news. So the 2018 inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame were recently announced, and sadly, Judas Priest was not selected. However, Bon Jovi was. Okay. Um, So, the Moody Blues were inducted, the Cars, Dire Straits, and Nina Simone. I've never really understood the whole selection process or the genres. I mean, it's called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I'm a huge Nina Simone fan. But does she really belong in a rock and roll hall of fame? I, don't, I mean,
2: I don't get it. Yeah, is it? Run DMC in the rock? and Yeah, hall that's fame too true, or, or say Beastie Boy. Well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At what I mean, point Beastie do they Boys, just call see. it the, the music,
2: music hall, of yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: hall of fame or popular music right. hall of fame? Right. You know, something to that sort. Because right. yeah, I mean, I, I love Run DMC, but the only thing close to rock and roll they ever did was when they come, uh hooked up with Aerosmith right. for yeah,
0: like, it doesn't one make song. sense to me. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. as a matter of fact, Rob Halford has been very outspoken since the denial, and as a matter of fact, he read the um, letter on the air um, on a radio station and discussed heavily you know, his thoughts on the underrepresentation of metal in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I would tend to agree. I took a little, little look at the inductees over the past few years, and um, I've, I've read a lot of things about the deciding process of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and I've never been too pleased with them, but i'm sorry bon jovi before judas priest nina simone but not judas priest i just don't get it but let's leave that to another discussion
1: yeah and that
0: is your rock news for the week
1: well i don't know about you but after that i could go for some whiskey yes i need a drink so today's featured whiskey I'm going with a Knob Creek single barrel, 120 proof, Uh, most specifically the single barrel store picks. Um, You guys know, and anybody out there that's followed my bourbon journey knows that I I love store picks. I I love uh, doing blind comparisons uh, of different barrels. It just blows my mind that something that is of the exact same mash bill uh, that's put into a barrel and put into a different shelf on a warehouse uh, can come out tasting completely different than something else that you know could have very well been uh, made on the same exact day. Um, <clears throat> these Knob Creek picks are uh, they're, they're your classic full flavor bourbon. You're going to get uh, pretty much with with each one. It's it's a really balanced. Really balanced bourbon. Um, it has a seventy-five percent corn, thirteen percent rye, twelve percent malted barley mash bill. Uh, to my knowledge, uh, because Knob Creek is from Jim Beam, um, to my knowledge, Jim Beam only has one uh, bourbon mash bill. Um, I could be absolutely if somebody out there hears that, correct me if I'm wrong. But I I'm believe you're sure right there. That is the case. Mm. So, but Knob Creek tastes nothing like. Anything else from Jim Beam, um, so you you get the classic flavor kind of across the board. It's very balanced. You get a lot of a lot of the caramel, vanilla, the classic Jim Beam of the honey nuts, uh, kind of that honey roasted uh, peanuts is is what I get typically. Um, Great brown sugar and vanilla notes, but then depending on the barrel, you might also get you know, one barrel can be have great leathery tobacco, like you're smoking a fantastic cigar with it. And on the flip side, you might get one that's just total butterscotch and toffee, uh, on the end and in the finish and, and you get a great dessert one. And that kind of, to me with this debate of ACDC, you have one band that was started by the same two brothers carried it through from beginning until, uh, You know, in the most recent, not present, but very recent, and and yet you had two front men that weren't drastically different from each other. Not drastic. It's not like you had, uh, you know, two completely polar opposite uh, voices, uh, singers, but yet the subtle differences between the two when you go back and listen to the albums is what makes it great to have a band with such elongated success, to have uh, so many subtle nuances from album to album. So that, my friends, is today's whiskey.
0: Very nice, Jake.
1: Very nice, Jake. Good job.
0: I like it. I was actually drinking Knob Creek Single Barrel this afternoon. Where are you now? I was. Did a little tasting today for some peeps at a bar, and uh, one of the things I poured up, I was... Testing the bartenders see if they could differentiate between bourbons and rye. So, yeah,
1: nice. That's a <clears throat> were you using kind of higher rye bourbons in the tasting? I mean, was it intentionally? Like, for instance, I mean, like we talked, the Snob Creek is a, a real, I mean, super low rye content with that only thirteen uh, percent. Whereas you get into something like the. Uh, B mash bill for Four Roses, I think, is thirty five percent rye. I mean, that's that's super high.
0: I mixed it up quite a bit. Um, they're they're not beginners; they don't have beginner palettes, so I wanted to make it really challenging for them. Um, and then I pushed them a little bit on weeded bourbons to see if they could pick out the weeded bourbons. So it's a lot of fun. I love doing those things. And it was it was all blind. <clears throat> it was all blind.
1: yeah. Uh, oh, that's so much fun. It
0: is super
1: fun. That is awesome. So what are you drink, what are you drinking right now? Very
0: who, cool. Who me? Yeah. I am drinking some wild turkey rare breed.
1: <clears> Ooh, <throat> I love that absolute stuff. my absolute
0: favorites. It's like that's dessert for me. I just love it. I I if if I think if someone were to ask me the de- the deserted island question, I think I would have to choose rare breed.
1: Yeah, I, you know. I, I think you may be right. It's it because it, it is one that it's, it's full flavor. I mean, it's just pops with, with flavor. It, it gives you a great bang, especially for the buck. Uh, but at the same time, it's not overwhelmingly hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like some of the, the higher proof, like other barrel proof, uh, picks that are in that, in that range. What about you, Matt? What you drinking?
2: I am drinking, uh, Obin Little Bay.
1: Well, you're gonna have to yeah. tell me something about that because I've never oh, heard of it.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, it's it's commonly mis- mispronounced as Oban. Ah,
1: Oban. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like O oh, B A N. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay.
2: And that's really the reason I chose it because of the mispronunciation of it because it's Oban, Bonscott, you know. Uh, nice. mom! Yeah. I learned something today. <laughs> you're so good. Uh, uh, but Oban Single Bay. Uh, I'm sorry, Oban Little Bay. Um, <clears throat> agents. It's. Agent in smaller barrels uh it's pretty rich uh it's just a nice little sipper expensive but it's, it's nice
1: now that's a uh that's a scotch or an irish S- single malt scotch nice, sorry nice yep very nice is it
0: the kind of scotch well, i would like matt
1: uh i think you would like this yes okay so not ultra peaty no no very
2: little little to no peat you know it's it's mostly fruity
0: you mean like no wet gym sock basically maybe maybe a,
1: maybe a little closer to like a Dalmore.
2: a wet gym sock yes that's
1: a <laughs> wet gym sock
2: it's either lemon
0: pledge right lemon pledge a urinal <laughs> cake wet gym sock or a campfire that's been doused with soapy water
2: mm-hmm. yeah or bake nice. or bacon delicious some of them smell like bacon, bacon? oh i have
0: not smelled one that smells like bacon
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> well now
1: though now that we've all got some whiskey on our yeah. brains matt <laughs> this since uh, since ed's not here matt is gonna do the trivia and it is battle royale
0: Yes because Say, Sailor Sailor team. Sailor
2: versus Jane. Yes. <laughs> I had to volunteer for this cuz I wanted these two to go head to head.
1: And I, 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 I specifically
2: them. I specifically picked
1: seven questions <laughs> so there has to be a winner. Oh, I like it. Yes. Oh, seven's my number. I've been
0: like yeah. running up and down stairs outside in Philadelphia all day. I've been drinking egg yolks all day so I am ready. <laughs> I am ready for this.
2: Okay, if you guys are ready, I will begin. Uh, this okay. one's prob- this one's probably easy, but just say your name or ding ding in whatever you whatever you want to do. Okay, first question: According to the band, what common household item at the time was inspiration for the band name uh, ACDC? I know this sailor.
0: It was their sister's sewing machine.
2: Correct. Wee-wee. Nice. Plus one for sailor. Yes. Okay, question two. Although the album Back in Black was their best-selling album of all time, it never reached number one in the United States. What two albums did reach number one in the United States? You can name one of the two.
0: Do I know this? I know this. Um, um, oh, um. Fuck. Oh, <laughs> hold on. I know it. Uh, for those about to rock, we salute you.
1: Ding, ding, ding. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Dang it. I was trying to remember what album was right after Back in Black.
2: Can anyone name the second one?
1: Um Razor's Edge? I don't know. No, it was a more recent one. Black Ice.
2: Oh Black right, right Ice. Ice. Yes.
1: Dang it. I knew it was I knew it was like farther Yeah into you know, the yeah. further decades. I couldn't remember if it was the nineties if it was still in the nineties or not. Okay, Jake in a two and an O two hole here. <laughs> Alright.
2: Uh question three. Performed at over seventeen hundred shows. This ACDC song has been played live more than any other. Ding, ding, ding. Jake. God damn it, I just went blank. Eh, can I say? Sailor? Is it, is it Highway to Brock Hell? Rock you up. Wait, Sailor first. What did Sailor say? Highway to Hell? Wrong.
0: Ah, fuck.
1: You shook me all night long. Also wrong. The correct Back answer is... Back in Black. Is the Jack. The Jack. Saget. What? Yes. Is what? Oh my goodness. It's Back what? Back in Black
2: is actually like sixth what? on that list. <laughs> yep.
0: This is bullshit! I want a (laughs) recount!
2: Okay, so... Question four. The very last line on the album Highway to Hell was a nod to what popular television show? Oh, shit. I don't know.
1: Uh, I just read this today, too. Not the
2: song, but the actual album.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God. I
2: don't
1: know. Because the song is night prowler
0: Well, you don't know it. So what's the Yeah, answer? I don't.
1: <laughs> oh, Mork and Mindy. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a great a, show that was. Bon Scott's favorite show.
0: Of course it was. Yeah.
1: Of it was. <laughs> Robin Williams was so great on oh that show. Oh my god, show. he was
0: on so many drugs in that show. It was <laughs> he was the best. I loved Mork and Mindy. Nanu nanu.
1: <laughs> nanu nanu. We
0: just aged
2: ourselves. <laughs> okay, question 5. When Bon Scott was arrested in 1963, he faced a handful of charges, including stealing what?
0: Oh, crap. I know this. I think I know this. Beer? I don't know. I'm
1: going to say a car.
2: 12 <laughs> gallons of gasoline. <laughs> well, was, car was close enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jake, you got two questions to tie this. Oh, my God. Yeah. all right question six a review of all right a review of what acdc album prompted rolling stone magazine to say and quote hard rock has unquestionably hit its
1: all-time low
2: oh ah ball
1: ding (sighs) Jake. um dirty deeds done dirt cheap close no no
0: Crap. I know this. Oh, God. Oh, Dude, it's... I
2: thought you guys would be acing these questions. Damn it.
0: They talked about this <laughs> on the documentary I watched a few days ago.
1: <laughs> Time's up. Alright, it is high voltage.
2: I, I was oh,
0: just gonna say that! Oh my God, I swear Bob I was just it. gonna say that. Crap!
2: <laughs> okay, final Ooh. question. What band holds the distinction of being the only band to be invited by ACDC to encore a show with them? Kiss? All right. Can you repeat, repeat yes. that question? <clears throat> what band holds the distinction of being the only band to be invited by ACDC to encore with them? To do a song together at the end?
0: Guns gotcha. N' Roses? Yeah,
2: not, not that you don't know what
1: an encore is.
0: <laughs> Guns N' Roses.
1: Let's just hear the answer. Cheap trick. Jesus,
0: mm. how weird. Cheap I, would have I, would have, <laughs> I would have never guessed I would
1: have never guessed that.
0: Super weird. Alright. But well, I win! <laughs> Even though I was a dummy, I won! Yay! <laughs> so I you am... Know, that
1: last one was tough.
0: ...the yeah. champion, so far. I
1: demand I demand a recount. I, I think there was an issue with the chance. We
0: are the champions. <laughs> okay. Since I'm the
1: champion, let me me pull myself off the ground here (laughs) after that solid assault.
0: All right, so first the timeline. Since we are going to be discussing ACDC and the two legendary vocalists, I'm going to start us off with a little timeline. So first we're going to talk about the Bon Scott era. So let me just bring all this into perspective just a bit. So the Australian rock band ACDC was formed in 1973. (laughs) What a great year. So many amazing (laughs) things happened that year. Like so many incredible, so many awesome people were born that year. Like myself. (laughs) The band was formed by two brothers, Malcolm and Angus Young. And... Well, we'll get into that later. Kind of three brothers. But anyway, they released their first album in 1975 called High Voltage. The al- this album contained just a few songs you might have heard of, you know, just little tiny hits like TNT and It's a Long Way to the Top. Um, this album was only released in the Australian market at the time, though. The following year, the band would release the album TNT, again released only in the Australian market. ACDC was a very well-known band in Australia before they uh, left Australia to break into the British and American market. They were already complete and total music celebrities and could pack out, could pack shows, were selling out arenas, and doing really well with album sales. So the band relocated themselves to the UK in the late 70s and... Um, they would go on to re-release High Voltage in 76 to the international market and then follow that up with Dirty Deeds, let there be Rock, Powerage, and Highway to Hell, all before 1980, including If You Want Blood, You've Got It, their live album. So if you've been counting, that's one album a year and actually two in 75, all while being a heavily, heavily touring band. In 1977, the band landed in the U.S., when they landed there, they had virtually no radio support and were pretty much unknown. At this point, they were very well-known and huge in the U.K. and European market as well as Australia, but it was pretty much a cold call coming to the U.S. And in 1977, Bon Scott claims that Gene Simmons caught their act somewhere in the U.K. and invited ACDC to come on tour with them in the U.S. They did, in fact, do a leg of Kiss's um, <clears throat> tour and... Uh, and this was a massive massive tour for Kiss at the time. They were playing to huge crowds, almost all sold out. Um, for example, they played three sold-out nights at the Madison Square Garden. So that's one hell of a way to break into the American Yeah, absolutely. For an opening <laughs> band. Good lord. I mean,
1: that's okay, I guess.
0: <laughs> for... Um, <laughs> Then for the recording of Highway to Hell, there would be a big change in producers. Previously, all of ACDC's albums were produced by another member of the Young family, big brother George Young, as well as Harry Vanda. Now, I feel like it's fair to give George a moment on the stage here because he won't be talked about much. He is the elder to Malcolm and Angus and was the first to learn to play guitar in the family along with his childhood friend Harry Vanda. They both became members of the band The Easy Beats, which was one of the most successful bands in Australia in the 1960s. And as a matter of fact, they were the first rock and roll band to have an international hit to come out of Australia. So anyway, ACDC's label wanted a radio-friendly sound. They believed that if they could just be more radio-friendly, they would hit it big internationally, and that meant a new producer. The band, as you can imagine, was not thrilled about this for many, many reasons, and so begins many producer change-ups throughout the band's career. Highway to Hell was released in July of 79 and would sadly be the last album to feature original lead singer Bon Scott. Highway to Hell became ACD's first LP to break the U.S. Top 100, eventually reaching number 17. In February of 1980, Bon Scott, only 33 years old at the time, died of alcohol poisoning in London. The band was, of course, stunned and devastated at the news. They were unsure if they could and should go on as a band. Bon Scott was such a huge personality and the front man of their band. They were unsure if they could replace him or if they should replace him. But at Bon's funeral... It was Bon Scott's parents who insisted that the band continue. They said that that's what Bon would have wanted, and he had worked so hard to make the band successful that it was all he really ever wanted in life, and the guy should, by paying tribute to him, continue the band.
1: Can I just point something out? No. Why, <laughs> why is ACDC called an Australian rock band when the three most important founding members are Scottish? Because they why aren't they, they a scott they should be a scottish rock band i mean no, both they, they the youngs just, and bond were all born in scotland and yes, moved to australia they, i think it's because their first
2: recordings
0: started,
1: were released yes. exclusively there right yes. i would assume so yes
0: they were, they well, were yeah
1: but if like yeah. if the beatles would have came to the united states prior to their first big release would they be a british rock band or would they be an american rock band
0: i think so first of all they were little hmm. kids when they went to australia number one so they grew up in australia and they all formed their musical careers in australia the band came together in australia and released several albums in australia before even going to the uk so like i said in in the timeline they were very well established and a very famous band in australia before they left the country so i think it's absolutely fair to call them an australian band
1: i don't know <laughs> i think if i was scottish i'd want to claim them as Just a they were scottish <laughs>
0: Just because they were born there? They didn't do shit there. They, they were Scottish. They didn't record music there. They didn't They what didn't form the, the band there. They didn't get their start well, there. Well, it
1: doesn't say that they were an Australian radio playing band. What? It was three Scottish guys playing music. They're a Scottish In band. In
0: Australia, and they formed an Australian band, Jacob. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jesus. It's like people here that are like, oh, yeah, I'm Irish. And they're like, I
2: don't know, maybe that's maybe that's great maybe they want to be known was... as an
1: Australian rock band.
2: I'm,
0: sh- I'm sure if they wanted to be called some other type of band, they could get it done. I have a yeah. feeling they have that kind of pull. Anyway, yeah,
2: and actually, Jake, I don't know if you have this or, or you read this, but uh, ACDC actually has an interesting link to Michigan.
1: Oh, um, let's hear it! Let's yes. hear it!
2: Well, they actually got their first radio play on a flint michigan radio station in
1: 1977
2: first time they were played on
1: in the united that, states that doesn't surprise me at all if if you look at uh you know over kind of the lexicon of the 70s late 60s and 70s rock music uh there's there's a lot a lot of musicians tied uh in, into michigan it's it's very much a a source of pride for for michiganders some of the some of the great rockers that have come come out of here. Absolutely, and I think they and you know connecting it to Kiss
2: also. And they I think they played either their first gig in the U.S. or one of their first gigs at Flint Capital
1: Theater. Um, sold the place out. So maybe they so should be called. Pretty cool. A nobody's nobody's band. coming to Flint anymore though. Very different town than it was yeah. at that point in time. <laughs> Jake,
0: Jake, maybe we should call <laughs> them a Michigan band
1: then. Do you think? Yeah, they. I mean, with with they... your logic, they could be if if with that my was where logic? they were getting. That's where they were getting their, their big radio play. Oh, my God. Jake's got good points. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's got good
2: points.
0: No. Sorry. No. That, that's nonsense.
1: Well, okay. Well, their greatest success came once they became an international success, not when they were Australian. Not when they were just releasing Austro- Australian-only albums. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Just, just saying. Really make
0: any, you're making no sense.
1: It I'm not no here sense. to make sense.
0: Obviously. I'm just
1: here to make great points that possibly make point. sense to so somebody. Jake's here to make
0: point. magic.
1: It's <laughs>
0: <on> <laughs> <laughs> what kind of magic is this?
1: I'm just here for my face for radio. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Jesus. Oh, Lord. Anyway, back to the discussion at hand.
1: Mm-hmm. So, that, was actually, that was actually all I had, so oh, good. I'll talk to you guys later.
0: Okay. Awesome. (laughs) So, anyway, Matt?
2: (laughs) Oh, so we're talking about Bond. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, So, it's very interesting uh, watching documentaries (coughs) and reading reading up on this. Um, You have Angus and Malcolm who start this band uh, with this lead singer uh, whose name escapes me now. I know I have it here somewhere. Uh, But definitely more of a... I guess what you would call a glam rocker or hair rocker uh,
1: yeah.
2: and, they, and they, yeah. And they very, then they weren't really digging it. So uh, you know, Bond comes along, uh, older guy, you know, the, you know, Angus and Malcolm are in their early twenties, fresh faced early twenties. And here comes this guy who's 28, 29, uh, as George had said, been around looks like he had been around the block a time or two or three, <laughs> which he had uh and it just it completely changed everything. He had the right, perfect vocal sound for what Angus and Malcolm wanted to do and what they were doing at the time um and just extremely sad that he ended up being his own worst enemy with the drinking. And everything, and it's just one of those, you know, in a whole line of sad rock stories. Dave Uh, Evans, uh, by the way. Dave Dave Evans, Original
1: vocalist.
2: Thank you, Jake. And I think they had, like, maybe one single that didn't do anything uh, with him. But he brought out the... He certainly brought out the best in both Angus and Malcolm, and they have a lot in common, being that the transplanted uh, Scott Scotsman or what have you? Um, they were Australian. Austra- yeah, <laughs> were. transplanted.
1: To Australia. <laughs> <laughs> if sailor uh, had if sailor had laser eyes, I would have a hole in my face right now.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, and you know, personally, for me, just from his uh, body of work, you know, "Dirty Deeds" is probably my favorite song uh i had it played at my wedding so i mean that's are you serious yes yes <laughs> i was putting the putting the garter belt on my wife <laughs> and, or taking the garter belt off my wife i should say and that was the song i chose to have played
0: i love your wife well
2: you done sir well yes done. yes <laughs> and, um, yeah i mean just I, going back to what you said jake about you know these these two guys are similar but different um you know, it's like taking two very attractive actresses and trying to decide which one is more attractive. It's impossible. It's almost impossible. Um, but yeah, a whole lot of Rosie, dirty deeds. Like I said, highway to hell, long way to the top. Uh, just amazing, amazing body of work.
1: Yeah. I would say, so ACDC in American culture, uh, all around is, it's incredible, because if it's not, you know, every single wedding reception that I've ever been to, you shook me all night long, <laughs> plays at least once to the hundreds of movies that have featured Thunderstruck and TNT and every, uh, you know, montage for either guys coming together or shit blowing up. Or you know <clears throat> what have you? It's there. There's so many of their songs uh early on, and and uh, you know between Bon and Brian that uh, in both eras, and even moving into into the '90s, there's so many of their songs that are just just huge hits. And if you were to ask me when I was you know first really getting into music and in the uh, kind of junior high, high school age. Mm-hmm. If if you were to ask me if if there was more than one lead singer uh, throughout the entire historical duration of ACDC, I, I probably would have said no. Yeah, I uh, thought it was the same guy, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I would have.
1: I would have. Mm-hmm. I would have equa- yeah. equated it to uh, the, like the difference of of James Hetfield pre blowing his vocals out and post blowing his vocals out, mm-hmm. and how. How different his voice was from uh, "Ride the Lightning" into "Load" or "Reload." I mean, it's yeah, a totally, it's amazing. a very different voice, you know. It, it, but they, there's certain things that sound the same, and 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 with those two guys, I mean, yeah. If you, if you just like, I have been studying for this uh, this recording here. I've been going back and forth. Like I'll listen to TNT and then Back in Black. And go back and, you know, try to jump back and forth from, you know, thunderstruck back to, you know, high voltage and and listen and try to really pick out. And it is when you do it like that, it is very noticeable, the difference in their vocals. Um, But, yeah, it's it is. It's like I mean, it's trying to to choose between two great things, which which is the better uh, to me, I think this argument doesn't necessarily come down to, uh, which lead singer is better. I think, I think I have a hard time with that. I think really? I, I do a little bit better with choosing what songs yeah. I like better between the two eras. And, and to me, that's a pretty easy argument.
2: And Jake, you're talking about going back and forth between songs from each singer, uh, I did something similar, but listening to Brian Johnson sing songs that Bon Scott sang—not you know, necessarily songs that
1: they recorded, um, at least released. I did not do that. So,
2: yeah. So, you know, hearing similarities and then differences, or what kind of spin Brian Johnson would put on, um, you know, whether it be TNT or, or Highway to Hell, was very interesting, and you could see. Like you said, the similarities, the differences. <clears throat> Brian Johnson
1: did differently. Very, very interesting stuff. See, I I hate live albums. Mm-hmm. To me, I just won't listen to them. If mm-hmm. If I wasn't at a concert. Then I don't want to hear the live album from a concert. I just don't like it. It's one thing if it's like uh, blended into a documentary, or if it, like song remains the same with Led Zeppelin. I've I've seen that a hundred times, and that's a little bit different. But uh, like like you're making the point of uh, I don't. Has there been any albums, to my knowledge, that uh, that they've re released a song later that that was originally Pre nineteen eighty, that they re released on an album post nineteen eighty.
2: No, I mean I was just looking at videos that you know either were not pro shot or from concerts later on. So they okay. So, right, so they were so all live. So, yeah yeah live, yeah okay. they're all live yeah yeah, nothing nothing you know mixed in the studio or or you know polished up or anything like that. Interesting. I
0: yeah. tend to disagree with both of you here. <laughs> I don't know how in the hell you could think these two guys sound anything like I don't I they are night and day to me. I think their vocal styles and their vocal sounds and the intonation in their voice are so different. Um, I think they're I think I would agree with you, they're similar in a way, but they both had their own unique style. I did not care for Bon Scott's voice, the sound of his voice. To me he sounded like what a bridge troll or a leprechaun would sound like i just wasn't into it however
1: i i completely agree with you there
0: yeah so some but some of the songs from his era are my favorite acdc songs and i love them regardless you know i mean but to me that's the true testament of songwriting and you know song creation I don't like this guy's voice but my god this is one of my favorite rock songs you know it i can get past it because it's just so so good
1: um mm-hmm.
0: he did you know i mean he did evolve and his voice improved but i think what the thing was about Bon scott's voice was it was so raw it was so just like you know i mean his own mother called him a bruiser you know <laughs> He, you know, he was a street guy. He was. He was a go, you know, go down the pub and have a few pints and then get into a fist fight and, you know, go home and, and that's, that's his life. And I, he sounded like some freaking guy that they pulled off the street that had smoked 80 packs of cigarettes, you know, and got into the studio. I mean, but that, mm-hmm. I, that to me was what that band was all about. That to me was they were ACDC to me is just true rock. No gimmicks, Mm. no garbage, no crap. I mean, even...
1: It's rowdy.
0: Yes, it it is. Yes, it's like bar brawl. It's like, what would a bar brawl sound like if it was music? And that's ACDC. I mean, you know, they did have, you know, their shtick, of course, you know. But even their shtick was kind of, it just kind of happened. You know, Angus wore his school uniform on stage one night. You know, because he was late and had to rush there from school and it became a thing. And he said later, like, well, David Bowie had his costumes and, you know, it was the era of costumes anyway. Um, But it still doesn't feel like a shtick to me. It just feels like, you know, hey, this is cool. This is funny. Um, So I think, A, I don't think Bon Scott would have lasted, even if he didn't die, sadly, as young as he did. At 33, yeah. I don't know how much more they would have got out of him because he lived such a hard life. Um, I think he was a really fantastic front man. His personality, for example, so there's this amazing video I was watching, and um, they had just gotten to London and they're being interviewed. Um, I can't remember if it was the top of the pops guy or who it was, I can't remember. And they, they're on the street corner and the, you know, the the journalist walks up to them and <laughs> all the guys are in T-shirts, jeans, and sneakers, and I'm assuming socks. And then there's Bon in topless <laughs> with, like, tiny shorty short cut-off jean shorts, <laughs> no socks, and sneakers. And he's just hanging out on the street, like, basically in a bathing suit. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll talk to you. And it just was so funny. Like, his... That was just him, you know. He had no fucks to give, um, and that. Came... I had the
1: same outfit on earlier. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> I mean, I was freezing because it's you know like I was, I
2: was zero degrees here, but it, like yeah, below zero. It's just, I, you know, and I, I made a, no- I made a note um, when I was doing my research for this that for me ACDC kind of fits into their own genre, like they are their own genre. They, they can't be, you know put into a niche of, you know, they're hard rock, yeah, blues, okay, not really metal, but, you know, simple, simple, hard riffs, um, good lyrics, um, and it just, you know, you talk about his vocal style, and it just fit, you know, it really fit into what Angus and Malcolm were doing at the time, and it was just the perfect marriage at that time.
0: I agree, Um, it was uh, the perfect marriage. Yeah, and
2: it it would be, I kind of agree with you that he probably... Wouldn't have lasted much longer after
1: after um, Highway to Hell. I don't think oh, Just so. because, yeah. And, and interesting, you know, Matt, that you kind of bring up their own genre. But growing up in a, in a rural area where uh, you know country music is is very prevalent, uh, a lot of country music fans also love ACDC because their lyrics. They're like honky tonk lyrics. It's about mm-hmm. drinking and having fun. Yeah. I mean, they're just singing about about the the raw rowdiness of life. Nothing to the in depth uh, parts of you know life or love or whatever. But it's it's just it's it's everything about Friday and Saturday night. And I think they about. they
2: they play to a lot of <clears throat> different audiences. Yeah, you know, and I think that you know you're talking about Back in Black, which You know, we're not talking about a successful hard rock album here. We're talking about the second best-selling album
1: in the history of music. But we're not
0: talking (laughs) about the the Brian Johnson era yet.
1: The number one selling album by a band. Band. We're not talking
0: about the Brian Johnson era yet, boys. We're
1: we're still on Bonnie. Yeah. (laughs) Give
0: Bonnie Bonnie his due time. Um, I think Bon Scott's voice, to me also, is the sound of the 70s. You know, there was a lot of weird shit going on. And there was a lot of strangeness. And that, I think, was also part of the draw. I mean, he's got a weird voice, you know? It's a... Yeah. Leprechaun is always what I (laughs) What a real leprechaun would sound like. Especially yelling at you. That's what he sounded like. (laughs) I think he was very of the 70s. And I think it's... Kind of apropos that he's frozen in time right there because I think that was, that was, he was unpolished, he was raw, he was just, just who he was. <coughs> and um, he, he had no airs about him, he had no interest in being a celebrity. He just wanted to rock. He just wanted to rock in front of as many people as he could and rock with them and just wanted to you know, have enough money to buy smokes and, and, and booze and hang out. Doesn't
1: he, doesn't he remind you a lot of Freddie Mercury in that sense where life to him was, I'm going to live as much life as I can today. That was, I mean, that was how Freddie Mercury wanted to live life. And I'm not saying that they are in any way at all alike, uh, from a musical uh, talent standpoint, but the way that they lived their life was to the extreme, both mm-hmm. of them. We'll and see. I think you find that with a lot of, a lot of front persons, lead singers, that you need that personality. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of them don't make it out alive yeah. because, I mean, the great think. ones, they, they're full throttle.
0: But I mean, look at, probably but not
1: then, to, not to pun, but. And, and he did have a great <laughs>
2: stage presence too. Oh you yeah. Know. Yes, but, he did. And, yeah. Yeah.
0: and when did he get, The other thing, too, is in a band, when do you get two of those guys? Because you've got Angus, who's a wind-up toy. I mean, it's insane. Even, dude, how old are they now? I mean, my God.
2: 70? Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, in his 50s and 60s, he's still doing this head-banging the (laughs) entire— I remember the last time I saw them, I was like, how is this guy's neck, head still attached to his body? Like
1: and he Oh just doing kept... that and doing that move where he like skips across the yep. stage where he's kicking yep. his front foot yep. out. Yep. Every every, every single show, myself included every, every guy, every guitar player that every played, in the band yes. has tried to it do does. that move yes. Yes. at some hard. point. And
2: yeah, up, it is laying on his yeah. back
0: and twisting around on his back and, I and mean, it's he's...
2: it's hard to believe that Malcolm was <laughs> diagnosed with dementia, not Seriously. Angus. Yeah. No, I know, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah.
1: But
0: but Angus is a teetotaler.
1: Yeah. So well,
0: he he's a teetotaler. Does not drink. I mean, he smoked, but he did not drink. He was not a drinker. Yeah, um, that helps.
2: What a so, loser.
0: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you look at all, if, I mean, I went through so many interviews of theirs preparing for the show, and you look, and there he is. You know, with his legs crossed, drinking his cups of tea, cigarette in hand, but chugging <laughs> that tea, and that and talking mm. about, you know, I don't know. It's just, I think that's funny, but um. I just think that Bon Scott is he's the 70s. You know, he's he's the 70s Absolutely. grit and grime mm-hmm. and rock and rawness. You know, before things began to get polished and synthesized and electronic. He's like that last um yeah, he's one of the last of the of that era, you know. Yeah, so, and you look so at popular
1: heart living yeah. livin 70s yeah. rock machine. Yeah. He was he was the I mean that john bonham those all those guys that were just full full on all the time they gave their lives to 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 rock to 70s rock it's what it was and
2: And, and you had the you know popular at the time also you had the the uh the punk scene also Mm -hmm. becoming popular british punk and and all that stuff and you know that was raw also but you know he's more talented than any of those guys were you know stands out completely
0: and what's the saying? It's better to burn out than fade away. Yep. And he used to say he didn't want to live to be forty. He said he didn't. He he used to say all the time he doesn't want to he doesn't want to live too long.
1: <laughs> and there's uh, I, I found it interesting. Uh, I always find conspiracy theories interesting, but mm-hmm. there's some uh, there's some clouds around the way that he died. No, I mean, passing out at a club and then he dying didn't pass in a out car. Out Dying in a car. He didn't
0: pass out at a club. He did not pass out at a club. He, him, uh, okay, his, the
1: article that I read said that no. he he passed no. out at bar, no. at, at this bar, and then basically he didn't pass the people out he was with club. shuffled him into an acquaintance's no. Renault 5.
0: No, so he they left the bar drunk. His friend drove <laughs> him home, was banging on the door. His Ron Scott's living girlfriend didn't answer the door. He went back out to the car, could not wake up. On. So he's like, F it, I'll just go back to my house. Went back to his house. Still couldn't wake him up. He went upstairs, got a blanket, put the blanket in there and said, Ah, oh, he'll sleep it off. And he had asthma, by the way, and it was right. um, freezing temperatures that night. And he choked yep. on his own puke. Yep. I mean, there's no conspiracy <clears throat> about it. This is typical. You know how
1: Allegedly many- oh, that's please. what happened. Jesus.
2: And uh, actually A C D C to this day, the the surviving members have a really not so tight relationship with British with British with British media because of all the all theories that were passed around by the media and the tabloids and everything. It was
0: ridiculous. (laughs) It was ridiculous. On the coroner's report, death is it official the official cause of death is misadventure. Yeah. That is literally what it says. Misadventure. This is the story of sadly, many kids, Uh many drinkers, many people. You know, I mean, if your friend passes out, make sure they're on their stomach. Don't <laughs> let them pass out on their back. So
1: know? there was nobody on the grassy knoll then? Even then. No. If, <laughs> if, 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 now, I mean, obviously only people 21 and older are listening to this. But if you're out and, and you're drinking with somebody and they've had way too much, just hang with them.
0: Well, you don't want to leave someone who's been drinking alcohol in freezing temperatures, with or without asthma.
2: But if
0: you can't wake up your <laughs> right. friend, you can't yes. wake them up enough in a
2: car, there was a them. lot of no nos that happened yeah. that night.
0: But if you can't wake up your friend enough to help them stumble into a building, you should probably take them to the ER if they are not moving at all and responding yeah. at all, even in a drunken stupor. That's probably ER time. <laughs> but anyway, so I think we all actually agree that Bon Scott was, you know, he's a legend. He I think he, will always he fit be rock perfectly legend. in the 70s. Yes, he was a perfect yes. fit. He was exactly what that band needed, you know, as far as vocals go then. And um, he was going to be one hell of a tough act to follow.
1: He set that. He set them out. I mean, right from the get go, he put them, like Matt said. He put them into into a niche. You know, he, he gave them a sound that was that was different. Uh, you know, on top of the fact that they had they had great music. It's not like they were crappy musicians no, they're and or whatever they were very talented i mean their music quality was solid they had a great band behind him and and he gave them you know a little bit something out front that was different yeah so if 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 we're all good to go i think somebody needs to use the pissa.
0: i have to pee before i pee my pants so we're gonna take a break and when we come back we will talk about the brian johnson era and we're back from the break feeling better guys i know i am
1: yeah much better
2: got a refill we're ready to go all right full glass let's do it
0: all right so Now it's time to talk about the Brian Johnson era of ACDC. So I'm going to start us off a little bit of a timeline here. Um, After the death of Bon Scott, the band began looking for a new vocalist as they were ready to head into the studio. Brian Johnson was chosen as the new lead singer, and actually it was Bon Scott himself, (coughs) sometime before his death, who had first mentioned hearing Brian Johnson and thought he had a really, quote, cool voice. The band headed into the studio in the spring of 1980 to record Back in Black, the band's first album with new singer Brian Johnson. They would write and record all new lyrics as they felt that using any of Scott's uh, lyrics would be improper to profit off of his death. In July of 1980, Back in Black is released internationally. It became their best-selling, most popular, and critically respected album. The album hit number one in the U.K. album charts. In the U.S., You Shook Me and Have a Drink on Me became the band's first top 40 hits. By the summer of 1981, Back in Black is such a phenomenon that Atlantic Records finally decides to release the band's 1976 (laughs) album, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, in the U.S. They had initially rejected the album, uh, years prior, as they felt its production quality was subpar. In November of 1981, ACDC releases their eighth studio album and second album with Brian Johnson, For Those About to Rock, We Salute You. This album goes on to hit number one on the U.S. Billboard chart and stayed on the charts at the top for three freaking weeks. The title track, For Those About to Rock, became a rock and roll anthem for generations and solidified ACDC in the rock annuals. All
1: right. So. So, right off the bat, i I, reading about the transition, um, you know, after Bond's death into into Brian, and so they go down to the Bahamas Mm -hmm. to record this album. They're there for seven months. They're getting bombarded with storms and uh, tropical storms, and so it takes seven months to record the album. But it, it seemed... Not necessarily eerie, but can you guys think of a of another band that loses somebody important and then comes right off of it and releases like their greatest album?
2: No, but further than that, though, what's creepy <laughs> is that what Sa- what Sailor said about Bon Scott hearing Brian Johnson sing and being a fan. I was actually, in actually the thinking fist. of Metallica. And re- oh, okay. Not the same. It's yeah. It's it's not the same. Sorry. But yeah. <laughs> but
1: then, it, it's but crazy. then having having the uh, naming the album back in black and having the full black cover art uh, to to show a sign of mourning their, their front, yes. I thought was really cool.
0: Yes, that mm. was their tribute. Absolutely. Um, it was not seven months, by the way. It was seven weeks. Seven months would be like the longest ever it's taken to
1: record an album. F- where no, I seven read weeks, seven, no, seven months. months. That would be insane. Because of all the storms and whatnot. No.
0: Why would the storms have anything to do with them recording an
1: hour? Well, because if they get evacuated and shit. No yeah, they're no. in the Bahamas. They they're were, on a freaking island. Were,
0: the storms weren't <laughs> that bad. They were just regular Caribbean storms. <laughs> I don't
1: but, know.
0: Um, I, Brian Johnson shared I live in
1: the safest possible yeah. spot in the world. Yeah. The,
0: <clears throat> the, they're just storms. But Brian, <clears throat> I think it's interesting. Me. Brian Johnson, um talked about him struggling with writing the lyrics the guys were in the studio tracking the album and Mm -hmm. he was really really struggling and um so he sat down with their he sat down with mutt and um they you know they were trying to you know get in the right place and and taking a look at what brian already had and so Mutt says, just look around you for a minute. And they their little, they had little like uh, huts on the beach, and the studio was on the beach as well. And um, he looks outside, and he sees the storm rolling in, and all of a sudden, thunder. And that's, that was <clears> it. <throat> he also has um, stated, but won't talk about it in depth, that something happened that was... He doesn't say the word supernatural. <clears throat> that's kind of what he alludes to. <laughs> that he had kind of a supernatural moment in relate really, in in regards to Bon Scott, and after that, all of the lyrics <coughs> came flowing out of him. Um, but he says, "I don't like to talk about it," and he doesn't. He doesn't go into detail. He just kind of mentions it. So I find that interesting as well.
1: It is a moment of uh, paranormal inner clarity. I mean the fact that he could find that fact
2: that he could write anything, filling the shoes of somebody like that. Um, the pressure, you know, he had to draw some inspiration. I assume from from Bond at least in the, the lyric writing. But
1: yeah. I mean
2: to be put to be put in that, yeah. you know, even though the band asks you and says we want you to be our <clears> guy, <throat> uh, the pressure it just you can't you can't imagine that.
1: I mean, well, he's coming, got balls.
2: It,
0: <laughs> Sorry what?
1: <laughs> I what? said
0: he's got balls.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Doom, boom, boom. Uh-huh.
0: But he's <laughs> who's got the biggest balls he's of the ball? He's got big balls. balls yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, he's so got the biggest. Balls of the ball. <clears throat> the balls are always bouncing from the left and to the right.
1: Did either of you go back and listen to any of Jordy's music that no. Brian Johnson was a part of?
2: No. I was a little scared.
1: It's terrible. <laughs> really terrible that's, and why, that's did, why
0: it didn't get good reviews
1: oh my gosh well i you know it's one of these you get in one of those like wiki spirals and and you're like oh i gotta listen to this band you know oh he's part of this band well let's see if there's anything on spotify about that yep yeah there are geordie songs on spotify and uh, yeah i can i can only imagine yeah, that was... brian johnson was just i mean fleeing uh Jordy to to join up with ACDC because they were terrible Their
0: label re-released and Jordy I, after they got I, popular I think they thought well maybe everybody wants to listen to whatever Brian Johnson's done and re-release the album it still didn't
1: do But it. the lyrics the lyrics in Jordy are just I'm like ele- like an elementary school kid wrote them they're terrible oh They're lame I mean not you know not you know not A that, is not that like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can tie my shoes. A is <laughs> for Apple, baby. <laughs>
0: oh, God. That was, well, pretty,
1: much, that was he... pretty much it. I mean, not not that, you know, anything that Brian Johnson has written through his course with ACDC is like uh, Bob Dylan-esque or, or what have you, but it's still, yeah, it's, but it's, it's enjoyable, those American it flows. Thighs. And I listened to Jordy, and it was just... It was. It felt like you were doing a Mad Libs, like you were singing Mad Libs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, now I have to listen to this yeah, now. now I you
1: have, have to. to. Yeah. Damn it. It's bad. Oh, God. Maybe
0: we should. Yeah, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> um, so Brian Johnson, he talked about how nervous he was. Um, I mean, it, you do have to have some balls to step into a role like that. But and he also said that Bon Scott was a poet. He considered him a poet, and so he was really. He said that he really had to just look for him to him for inspiration. And they did have the stuff that he had written um, for the album, even though they didn't use it. Um, Brian Johnson and Mutt uh, used it as inspiration, and um, I think I think being where he was at. I think being around the band as they were still mourning, I mean, this was very shortly after Scott passed. um, I think that was all probably a lot of inspiration for him. I think it was sheer terror, probably, you know, and, you know, desperation to do a really great job. He had a fantastic producer and um, Mutt was also a talented vocalist himself. Um, so I think you know you've got great music to write lyrics to. you've got a fantastic producer, and you kind of have this insanity of circumstances you're 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 kind of an outsider in this very tight knit group um you know you're in in the Caribbean in this very foreign place to them um you know Brian Johnson had never been to a place like that before um so I think it was just circumstances really and Obviously he, he found his legs and was able to continue on after that. I mean, I think he's written some pretty amazing shit. Like I said, knocking me out those American thighs. If that's not poetry, I don't know what is.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. But, and and let's face it, at, at this point, uh ace you know Brian Johnson is more A C D C than than Bon Scott. It's one of those he's oh, yeah. he's been their front yeah. for longer than he hasn't. And, uh, just quick point, Brian Johnson, also from the United Kingdom, not Australia.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So what? <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with anything? The fucking band was formed in fucking just, Australia. I'm just talking about
1: their, just talking about their band from the United Kingdom.
0: The fucking band was formed in fucking Australia. Got their fucking start in fucking Australia. <laughs> popular in fucking Australia first before they fucking went anywhere else. They're one one, one member fucking Australian band. They are an Australian band. band.
1: One band member born in Australia. Ah for fucks. Anyway
0: (laughs) anyway. Brian Johnson has a better voice. Period end of story.
1: I definitely I I definitely agree. Uh, you know his his voice is uh it just, it's so different. There's, there's no, not another voice like it, but at the same time, uh, it's in tune. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's strangely like out of tune and in tune at the same mm-hmm. time, because the rasp within his voice, it, it's strange. It's almost like his, his voice sings in a chord, not, not mm-hmm. a chord. Not a chord, but, like, a chord, C-H-O-R-D, like a multi-note mm-hmm. uh, chord.
2: Yeah. To me, it was
1: almost like, with with Bond's style and the way he
2: sung and his voice, it was almost like he fit in, like, they meshed perfectly together. And I see more of, like, Brian's voice as almost like an extra appendage, where it took their music to a different level completely. Yeah. And, you know, I admire his brutal honesty, too, where he says, uh, I believe it was right before The Razor's Edge, where he's like, you know, he turned the songwriting over to Malcolm and Angus, or the lyrics, I guess, Mm -hmm. but the lyric writing over to Malcolm and Angus. And he said, uh, when asked why, he said, I'm out of ideas. (laughs) I can't come up with an album full of lyrics anymore. So he turned it over to them. And uh, I think that he had his great bulk you know, of his work was, was amazing. And, you know, in the early eighties and it you know, unfortunately, you know, their mid eighties to late eighties stuff kind of, kind of waned in comparison. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's, I think you bring up a good point. I think that's another marker for success for this band is they didn't seem to have egos and they certainly didn't seem to have egos about saying, about being collaborative and um That's a great point. That's really yep. really that's important. That's a really great point. I mean, you've got older brother who's basically, you know, like an extra band member. He's producing. And, you know, he they they said we have to change up producers and I can imagine it was very <clears> rough, but they did it. Um and, you know, then and Mutt took them to success, but then they got rid of him and they said, "Hey, we want to <clears> produce <throat> our own stuff and it didn't have great success. Well, you know, comparatively. And so they went on to another producer. They they've taken turns with a lot of uh, types of writing and and you know whether it's musical writing or or songwriting. And I think that's that's definitely important. These guys seem to just be like, "Hey, you're better at this. Cool." You know, absolutely.
2: And you don't you don't have uh, you know other bands of similar longevity. You you don't get with ACDC. You don't get the drama right. along the way among band members. You just don't do it. I mean, you know, we'll discuss Aerosmith later on. And, you know, you'll see a complete difference in a band with the same kind of longevity uh, between the two. And uh, that's definitely a testament to them.
0: Absolutely. I mean, if you read the story about the producer after they, you know, let George go, I can't remember his name. He he produced Hendrix and Zeppelin and he just he he was it was not working. They had they they were were just miserable. It wasn't working. So they said, hey, you know, we're going to take the day off. And, um, you know, snowfather coming in on Saturday, and they run into the studio, <laughs> and they track everything, and they send it off to Mutt, and they're like, would you please, please, would you please record this or produce this for us? And he's like, yeah, sure. And they told the label, like, listen, this is what's happening. I mean, it was, it's it's so weirdly polite in, in kind of a weird, right. it's
2: strange, yeah.
0: strange way, but I think they just felt like, listen, you know, um, and it's true, you don't hear of a, I mean... The stuff that I poured through. What's the biggest drama? Maybe their producer changes, and it doesn't seem like that. Yeah, a lot of they drama. seem
1: s- just so humble with each other. Uh, that yeah, I mean to your point, it was uh, it was really refreshing to hear of a band where their egos were. Yeah. it seemed they seemed like the the band was more important than the parts. Yeah, yeah. and I did really appreciate. Uh, you know, coming into this, uh, I'm I, obviously, I listened to ACDC for the majority of my life, and I, I do like their music, but, uh, uh, you know, I never really delved into their story or what have you, and I, I do love to see bands like that, that it's where the members, it's just, hey, whatever's best for the band, let's do it.
0: Yeah, abs- and they were so freaking hardworking. And in any of the documentaries I watched and any of the interviews, you know, any interviews with people speaking about them that had worked with them, my God, you could not have. They must have been a dream for a label. I've been on the label side. And to have a band that's willing to go into the studio every year with new material that is fresh that is not tired, that they're ready to go. And then they tore all the freaking time. I mean, this band was on the road pretty much permanently for most of their careers, most of their lives. What is just unbelievable how hardworking they were. Absolutely. I, I mean,
2: to th- they, they had a number one album 33 years after their first release. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. incredible. I mean, yeah, it,
1: well, and especially when, when they had already put out, you know, one of, one of, I mean, arguably one of the greatest rock albums yeah. <laughs> track by track of all time. All time yeah, and, 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 the, and, the, I mean, let's just put the the success, the sales success aside. It's a great album. Absolutely. I mean, song by song, you can't, I mean, those songs have infiltrated all of our lives you can, there's not a song on there that you go oh i've never heard that before that's that's new yeah. no you know every song every song you just listen to and you go oh it's more or less like oh i didn't know that song was on this album mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah oh, i it, forgot that one was on here
0: it just blows my mind that they were able to write as well as they did while being on the road all the time, the time. i mean mm-hmm. it, it's so many bands like well we're going to take a break from <clears> touring cuz we have to go start some writing and then we we're going to go to the studio. And like, they, just, yeah, they were like, Like, like,
2: no. like Metallica. Oh, was, that your, was that your Ozzy impression? Fuck
0: <laughs> off. <laughs> no, that was my Lars impression. That was impression. more Sharon. Fuck <laughs> <But> you, Lars. <laughs> I got it in, man. <laughs> there
2: you go. Yeah, we'll have a new album out in two years. Yeah, exactly. Eight years later. Yeah.
0: Well, that's why Like, it's funny, the whole seven-week thing. That's the longest it ever took them, and they were like yeah. freaking out about it because they're they're usually like going in there hitting it hard. They're like it's like true blue collar style, you know? Like I work my ass off, and that's just what you do if you want to be successful. You just work really hard at it. And they were. I also think that a lot of that came from the Young Brothers because their family Absolutely. is so interesting. They're mm-hmm. all musicians. There was, like, what, 12 yep. kids, 10 kids? Yeah, something, like, yeah, that. something like that. Re-
1: reading, reading their, like, genealogy of when what kids came to yeah. Australia. It, I felt like I was reading, like, uh, the Book of Numbers in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's very interesting that they were all they were all musicians, they were all musical, and even, you know, their sister, they talk about, hey, she was the one that was going out and buying records and bringing them home, and they would all sit around and listen to them, and so they give her um, credit for turning them on to music in general. It was, I just think that had a lot to the, do with it, too. You know, true the, musicians, all they want to do is make music and play music.
2: The book of numbers. <laughs> Angus, brother to Malcolm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Stephen, oldest brother to Angus, did not travel to Australia till five (laughs) years after the family migrated. (laughs) This has been Numbers on Tape. (laughs) Please flip tape to side B. Why is it tape? Why is it so old school that it's tape? (laughs) Uh, you know, who is really cool is Malcolm Young and, uh, God rest his soul. He did just pass away here yes. a few weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, rest in peace. Uh, the oh, band okay. that he helped start yes. went on to amazing success and he's, you know, he's, he's one of the, he's one of the success stories. I mean, the guy lived a long successful life, got to do what he loved for a very, very long time. Um,
0: he battled his own demons. Sadly, yeah. he had drug and yeah. alcohol problems. Um, so that that that's a shame, and I'm I'm sure that led to his dementia and, and his mm-hmm. health problems in the end.
2: And we talk about guys who are the quiet foundations of bands. Yes. Uh, you know, he's a prime example. Yeah, uh, the rhythms. Yeah, the yeah, rhythms. Yeah, yeah,
1: guitarist.
2: Yeah, yep. Smart guy. Not flashy. Great no. musician. Yeah, uh, you know his brother's out there going nuts and he's just a rock right <laughs> yeah. he, he is a rock you know yeah, talk absolutely. about a di- dichotomy of styles yeah. you know
1: and i i it would it would i would be remiss if i didn't say malcolm for those that are about to rock we Easily all salute to. you
2: mm-hmm. amen brother amen well
0: a huge thanks to all of our listeners out there And please join us next week for another episode of the metal rock and whiskey podcast, Matt.
2: Yes. And to all of our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors, we thank you for listening. Uh, We appreciate all of your uh, comments, questions, concerns, (laughs) feedback, anything you want to tell us about the show, likes, dislikes, anything, please Uh, follow us on Instagram uh, at, Metal Rock Whiskey. Uh, We have a Facebook page also. Uh, Please ask to join as of right now. We Mm -hmm. will accept you. Write anything on our wall. We'll have polls. We'll have discussions. As long as
1: you're not a robot. Yes.
2: You can find me on Instagram at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Uh, We usually talk about, sometimes we mention things that we're listening to right now. Uh, As far as podcasts go, I will say that... Uh, I have downloaded <coughs> all of our hosts' other podcasts, The Drinking Darlings, sure. and I am going to binge listen <laughs> to every episode in this coming week, and uh, I suggest you do the same. Uh, so, Sailor?
0: Hey, thanks, Matt. You're welcome. I'm Sailor, and you can find me on the socials as Sailor Retro, and um, <coughs> what am I listening to? Uh <coughs> I, oh, God, I just totally binged on a podcast called S-Town. S like Sam. Have you guys heard of this?
1: I have oh. heard of this. Yeah. Tell us more.
0: So S-Town is done by the people who did, oh, crap, now I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, <laughs> the podcast about um, the guy named Adnan who was convicted of killing his girlfriend and now his, his case is being... Um, retried because of the podcast. What the hell was it called? Oh, oh, it's
1: it's it's like a true crime. This is the you like know, second or third season of it, right? No, 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 no. It's, it's not what... Am I thinking of something no, else? No, you're
0: thinking of something else. Cereal. Cereal with an S.
1: Cereal. Cereal. Yep. Okay. So from
0: the, the producers of Cereal and um, This American Life came S-Town. And I did not understand what it was going to be when I first started listening to it. And I it certainly must have been a hell of a ride for um, everyone involved in this podcast because the way it unfolds is unbelievably shocking real story amazing Um, so yeah I would highly recommend S-Town but I will warn you you will be addicted to it and you will want to keep playing the next episode and the next episode to find out what happens so make sure that you're in a position to do that Um, And also, if you want to listen to another cool podcast, like Matt mentioned, I am on the Drinking Darlings every Friday for the Darlings uh, Friday Social Swig.
1: I actually missed you this last Friday. I went to download the Social Swig and there was not an episode. Well, we are doing some
0: cool things. That's why. The Darlings (coughs) are preparing their own YouTube channel. We're going to be
1: doing
2: some fun ba, ba, stuff ba, 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 on YouTube. Not, that was not in the news.
0: With videos. And uh, we're taking a little bit of a hiatus for the holidays because we'll all be traveling all over the place. But you can do as Matt is doing. You can download all the previous shows and catch up on them before the new year. And the show. Uh, that's all for me, man.
1: <clears throat> well, for me... Um... The, uh, so I'm a, I'm a dad that loves to drink bourbon. And one of my new favorite podcasts is the dad's drinking bourbon podcast. Yes. One of my favorite things to do in my bourbon journey has been to do blind tastings because I am, I I hate to feel like I'm a sucker of marketing or anything else. And so whenever uh, my buddies and I get together and we, and, and, pour some glasses, we always do a blind, just to actually evaluate the drink for what it is, and on the Dad's Drinking Bourbon podcast, that's what they do, they do blind tastings, it is absolutely fantastic, and it has quickly become one of my favorite shows to listen to on a weekly basis, so shout out to John and Zeke, doing a great job, guys. I
0: listen to them, too.
1: Yes. Yes. And hopefully all you guys love this podcast because we're having a lot of fun doing it. And we want to continue doing it. So we definitely hope you all have enjoyed it as much as we have. But uh, guess what, guys? My drink is empty. Mm -hmm. So tip your waitress. Enjoy some particles. Collide on the way out. And peace. Later. Hey guys one more thing um so this podcast some of the things that we do on here they cost money and the, to keep the show going we have set up a patreon page and the link will be on our instagram page as well as within our metal rock whiskey facebook group which we hope you jump in and become a part of the community check us out on patreon We'll have different uh, giveaways and reward systems based on that. Check it out. Follow the link. Throw us a buck or five, and we'll have a great time continuing this podcast. Lots of love. Appreciate it.
0: Hey, listeners. You know that cool song we play at the beginning and end of our show? It's called Whiskey Always Wins, and it was written and performed by my dear friends of When Particles Collide please check them out on your favorite music streaming platforms and give them your support. Rock on, friends!